Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. It's considered one of the greatest affirmations of faith in all of Holy Scripture. And moreover, it's a true celebration of the sacred story of God and God's people. From Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. In these days of confused situations, it's also a vitally important reminder to you and I who continue on the journey of faith. That's the subject of today's message, which is entitled The Conviction of Things Unseen and begins with my own story of a recent encounter along an Aroostook County road. It was a small moment, but I dare say that it was one of the more enlightening moments of my recent summer vacation. We got up to Mapleton, you see, that day. We were visiting both the in-laws and our son and his wife who live nearby. Zach and Jess's house is literally out behind where my mother and father-in-law live, across some, some fields and some bushes, and it's within walking distance. So that morning I'm on my way up there when this old dilapidated and nearly rusted out pickup truck drives up beside me and this old, dilapidated, and nearly rusted out man leans out of the truck window, laughs right out loud, and he says to me, and by the way, this being church and all, I'm cleaning this up just a little bit. <laughs> You're welcome. It really stinks to get old, doesn't it? Now, I don't know this guy from Adam, but he seemed friendly enough, so I just laughed and said, oh, yeah, it happens to every one of us sooner or later, yep, yep. To which he replied, well, good for you to be out here walking. You want to stay that off for as long as possible. <laughs> and I'm still just laughing. <laughs> But now, uh, my main accent, which I've told you I speak as a second language, it kicks in. And I say, yeah, I figured I'd best be kicking that can right down the road as long as possible. And then the man says this. Well, you know what? Nobody should be out here walking alone. Tomorrow, I'm going to come out and look for you so we can walk together. And with that, he just smiles he gives me the official Aroostook County wave, which is your hand on the steering wheel, and you go like that. And he roars, literally roars down the road. And I'm watching him go. And I'm still laughing right out loud, but I'm thinking, how old does this guy think I am? I mean, granted, I wasn't exactly in my Sunday best that morning. I'm on vacation, after all. So I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. My hair is getting shaggy. And I'm sure I was sporting some beard stubble. But, but come on! I know I'm 60 years old, but do I really look that dilapidated? Or maybe it was the way I was walking down the road. Perhaps there was a bit more maturity in my step than I intended. After all, as has been pointed out to me a couple of times, 
I may have two new hips, but the rest of my body is still 60 years old. All I can say after that is that apparently I was not only headed to Zach's house, but I was also headed to the end of the road, my end of the road. And so when I got back to the in-law's house, I was still laughing and I let everybody in the family know that it was now official because the truth of the matter had been unquestionably confirmed for me while I was out on the journey out there on the old town road, so to speak. It's official. I'm old. Now, don't misunderstand me here, friends. I'm not headed for the rocking chair quite yet. But I do have to say that for me, this chance encounter on the way did end up as serving as something of a parable and as a metaphor for life itself. Simply put, friends, we're all on the walk of life, aren't we? Every one of us are on the journey, and we are taking that journey step by step, mile by mile, year by year, ever and always moving towards some kind of long-term vision we have for the future. You know, our motion is all about maybe raising a family, having grandchildren, you know, moving forward in the career, making a difference, getting ready for retirement, trying to live your life day to day with some kind of integrity so that when you finally do leave this earthly plane behind, that earth will be a better place than when you found it. That's what we do, right? That's what our journey, that's what all the walking is about. And yet we do know how utterly unpredictable life can be, don't we? We understand how quickly things can change in ways that are often wonderful, but sometimes challenging. What's that expression? I looked it up, and apparently it is attributed to Woody Allen, of all people. If you want to make God laugh, he once wrote, just tell him about your plans. So often, you see, the hard reality of life is that plans change. Medical diagnosis, a loss of a job, a shift in a relationship status. Hey, you discover that, well, you know, you're getting along in years and you can't do what you thought you could a few years before. And at the end of the day, some of the things we've envisioned are postponed. Others change as we go often for the better, sometimes not. And a few of those things that we've planned on, well, they just don't happen at all. And as far as leaving the world a better place, well, when we look around as we do these days to see a world that keeps spinning recklessly out of control, we can't help but wonder if that's even possible. And yet, and yet we just keep walking, don't we? We stay on the journey. We, we kick that can down the road. We, we keep on keeping on, continuing to go where we are determined to go and to do what we know is right, ever and always staying true to the path that has been set before us, even at times when we're not all that sure where that pathway is going to end up. We walk in faith. 
Because as our text for this morning has so beautifully proclaimed, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now understand, friends, that this, what I just read to you, has nothing to do with wishful thinking, which by definition is the expectation that by some miracle, that which has never happened before in our lives will come to pass. Nor really is it about optimism, per se, as optimism has to do with the strength and the resilience of the human spirit, the, the confident belief that one has that the good will triumph eventually and finally, no matter what. And you know what? There's certainly a place for that. What's life without a little wishful thinking, right? And what we need in this world, I believe, truly is optimism. But what I'm trying to say here is that faith is different. Faith, you see, is all about hope. A hope that is founded in God, in which is made real and vindicated because of God's faithfulness. Now, lest you think I'm talking in circles here, let me put this another way. In the words of Craig Barnes, faith isn't something we get. It's something that gets us. We don't possess it. We are possessed by it. Faith, he says, is a grace from God, a grace that changes everything about your vision of life in this world. So, in thinking about that, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, precisely because that assurance comes from God. It's not simply our confidence in the triumph of good. It's our understanding of how good will triumph. And it's solely by God's faithfulness unto us. It's how you and I can keep walking along the path that's set before us, even when we are not at all sure of what's ahead. For faith, we are told, is the conviction of things unseen. The 11th chapter of Hebrews, of which Myron just read a small portion this morning, is considered one of the greatest affirmation of faith and it's found in all of Holy Scripture. And moreover, it's a celebration of the heroes of faith who had gone on before, from Abel to Noah to Abraham to Moses and beyond. All these people who spent their lives believing in this great hope that had its source in an ever-faithful God. But what's interesting to me about what we read this morning, that if you read just prior to where we picked it up today, in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, you read about how Paul is urging the people not to abandon that confidence in which they're of their own Christian faith. He says to them, you need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So understand now, we're not talking about a group of people who have turned away from God. Paul is talking to those who have kept on. People who have likely walked and walked, but yet have a long way to go on this journey. So, says Paul, you need to know what faith truly is. And that sets the stage for this grand affirmation in the chapter that follows. Now, 
Actually, in this 11th chapter, there are two Greek words used that are used in that regard. And I hope I'm pronouncing them right. But first, there's apostasis, which literally translates as standing under and speaks to a foundation of belief that comes from Jesus himself. In other words, Jesus becomes the very picture for these believers of the bedrock of God's identity. He is something basic, something solid, something firm. And it provides, it provides a place from which one can hope. It is, as we read it, the assurance of things hoped for. The other word used is elikos the translation of which is a little murkier, but is probably best referred to in English as evidence or even proof of what we have difficulty comprehending. That is, in the words of the message, it is our handle on that which we can't see. In other words, even if on this point on the journey you're having doubts, I don't know, some random passerby suggested you're too old to keep walking, don't forget, Paul says, never forget that there have been those who have gone on before who continued always to stand firmly upon God's faithfulness. And you do not want to reject that kind of evidence in your life. Case in point, Paul says, Abraham, who demonstrated his faith by going to the place where God called him to go, sight unseen and he'll continue to be faithful, though this great obedience never really paid off during his lifetime. He ended up living out his days in a foreign land, living in tents, living a transient existence. And yet, over time, across generations, that promise would come to fruition. And Abraham looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So says Paul. Likewise, Paul goes on to say, the promise of descendants, as many as the stars up in the heaven and as many of the grains of sand on the beach, it didn't happen in exactly the way that neither Abraham or most especially Sarah were expecting. In fact, I don't think Sarah ever expected to be expecting. Nonetheless, even though they were elderly, and as good as dead, those are Paul's words, not mine, there was a child. And that was the beginning of a great multitude of descendants. It's no wonder Abraham was moved to do a silly dance. The point is, it was by faith that Abraham and Sarah kept walking. They kept looking and moving forward firm in the knowledge that God's faithfulness and his sure and certain promise of a land and a home and a family. They had the conviction of things unseen. And the question for you and me is whether we're willing in our lives, and might I add in our care of the world and the culture that surrounds us, to keep walking with that kind of faith, despite all the disruptions that endeavor to keep us off track looking forward to all the signs of God's faithfulness and love as we go. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. And just as, as it has been for countless generations of the faithful, 
What that means for us is that no matter how roundabout the journey has seemed to become for us, we can depend on God to see us home. Because the destination of the journey of faith is never in doubt. Those are the words of Mark Ramsey. And he goes on to say, we just have to keep walking. You know, I think I've shared with you before that one of my greatest heroes of the faith is the Reverend Dr. Fred McFeely Rogers, a Presbyterian minister, better known, of course, to generations of children and family as Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, I could tell you about a hundred different things I loved about this man. And by the way, not only is there a biopic coming up with Tom Hanks this fall, but there is a wonderful documentary about him that you need to check out. It will bring you to tears, I guarantee you. And it just made me love and respect his ministry all the more. But here's the latest. And I got to tell you, I may have read this before, but this is the first time I remember hearing this this week. Did you know that whenever Fred Rogers made a speech to one group or another, and later in life he did that quite a bit, or when he was on television apart from the neighborhood, and even when he was amongst Hollywood celebrities and accepting an Emmy Award for his work in children's television, again, check out YouTube, there's a lot of that there, he never failed, Mr. Rogers never failed to end his remarks, not with, thank you very much, I'd like to thank the Academy, have a good evening, but he always ended his words by saying, may God be with you. And not, by the way, God bless you, because he knew that God had already blessed them. He couldn't help but bless them, and he would always seek to bless them. No, it was always, may God be with you. Because Mr. Rogers' fervent wish, and indeed his prayer, was that each one of those hearing his words would be aware that God was with them in their lives and along their journey. I did check out a, a YouTube video of him accepting an Emmy Award, and he did say, God be with you at the end. And they flashed to these, these heavily made up and heavily celebrated TV people, and there are tears coming down their eyes. They're nodding their heads. They get it. So it should be. You know, as the old song goes, the road is long with many a winding turn. And so it is with faith, beloved. To walk in the presence of the Lord, never looking back, but always moving forward. It can be a daunting task indeed. Tell you what, friends, one thing that old guy in the pickup truck had right. Nobody ought to be walking that walk alone. That there ought to be someone to walk along with us when we go. Here's the good news, friends. In faith, we are never alone on the journey. To quote another Presbyterian church leader once again, the Reverend Mark Ramsey from Atlanta, he says, faith knows the challenges of life. It knows the strife of the world, but God renews daily. Faith gives us a home. 
it gives us a road to journey towards that home. And as we keep walking on the journey, God's hope is persistent and lasting. It goes eye to eye with hardship and it just keeps on hoping. My prayer for each one of us today is that we'll have that assurance of the things we hope for, that we'll walk with conviction of what we can't see, and with the awareness of God's presence with us every step of the way. May God be with you, beloved. May God be with us all. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, The Conviction of Things Unseen. It was recorded during our August 18th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, if you're looking for a church home or if you're visiting the Granite State this summer and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and we're located on 51 Mountain Road. That's off Exit 16 in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. As I'm fond of saying, we are a small but mighty congregation, and I guarantee you will feel welcome the minute you walk in the door. I'd love to have a chance to greet you. Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening, and I do appreciate your support of this podcast wherever you happen to be listening. So keep in touch. Let me know what you're thinking. And until next time, may God be with you. And may you have a great day. Talk to you soon.